0: and welcome back to the freewheeling podcast or the cycling tips podcast if you're listening this on the regular channel remember that freewheeling is churning out a ton of bonus episodes today we did something on the young riders that are racing the tour de france femme avec zwift speaking of zwift freewheeling is super excited to be supported by zwift lauren and i both have spoken at length about how much we love zwift and all of the different options that Zwift has to offer when you're training but most of all how convenient it is uh Lauren and I are both mothers and working mothers as you can hear my baby (laughs) right now and it's really hard for us to find time to be able to work out Zwift is the best option for both of us we can just jump on the trainer for 45 minutes do a super hard workout Zwift has a ton of workouts on the app that you can select that'll walk you through it as you're doing it, which is awesome. And they have stuff that's under an hour. So if you only have an hour and you just need to get something done really quickly, then they've got the option for you. Plus, if you've got more time, they've got a ton of other options. And thank you so much to Zwift for sponsoring this podcast. As we've been doing, Lauren and I are going to watch the final couple kilometers live on the podcast. We're joined today by Allison Jackson, and then Matt and Amy are on the ground. They, um, they reeled that in pretty
1: quickly over the last three and a half Ks. Yeah. Yeah. They just like turn it up and then that's it. It was really weird what Leanna Lippart just did. She like... Burst to the front, gapped everyone, realized Norm was
0: on a wheel, and
1: then just went straight back out.
0: I don't know how much uh, time Leanna Libert spends doing a lead-out. She's got great
1: power. So um, three kilometers to go. That last, uh, well, I don't know if it's the last right-hander, but, you know, the that Manon showed on the commentary looks super sharp.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and I think there's going to be... A bit of chaos there with the road splitting left and right. Yeah,
0: I I predicted this to be a day for the breakaway because it's such a long stage, 170 something kilometers. It's the longest world tour, longest stage in a world tour race ever. Not the longest stage in a stage race ever, but in the in the world tour in the recent years. Um, the only thing close to it is the 165 kilometer long stage from the Giro Rosa in 2020. 2020 won by Lizzie Banks Um, Mm. but because it's such a long stage I thought that there wouldn't be any teams that would want to control it for the entire stage but obviously Trek Segafredo who are sitting on the front right now with 2.2k to go are are pretty keen to deliver Elisa Balsamo a win and um, and team DSM believes in Lorena Weavis as well so Two teams fully
1: committed. That was a great ride as well by the confidence rider, Victoria Beto. Mm-hmm. Or I can't pronounce her last name. Really strong track rider.
0: Oh, We love a track rider that goes over to the road. Allison Jackson is here again with us. Allison, hello. Hey. It's been, it's been a long day. It's been such a long really day. Really long day. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Min- minimal chaos today, but I think the chaos is about to to unfold this is a good situation now that the the bunch is so strung out but i think if you are Ooh, too far at back at turn. this point it's over sharp right hander <laughs> yeah, yeah, splits yeah, yeah. both oh, sides yeah. of the road i knew uh, that. Was, i was
0: like yep. this is coming for sure yep we were waiting for that it looks like yep and mm-hmm. ruby roseman gannon that's uh at least shabby
2: i think shabby yeah. ah she just needs to calm down just calm down, <laughs> gather herself. She's inside the 3K. True. Just...
1: Yeah. <laughs> is this Anna Henderson coming up on the left for Jumbo Visner, trying to get into position? Well, basically, if you're out of position now, it's done for you. Yeah,
0: 1K to go, and we've got Ellen Van Dyke, who is forever more going to be referred to as a plural because she's basically like having multiple riders. And it looks like Mariana Voss is straight on she her wheel. She's glued to her, At least her a wheel. a longer bikini.
1: I can't see Balsamo. I think I see the rainbow stripes, but I'm not sure. Um, Webers is in a good position right now, but it's hard to see the world. Ah, there she is. The world championship is on Webers, And Kopecky is getting a lead out out from Demond Ballering. I
0: mean, Kopecky's so far back now. No, Balsamo's.
2: Oh, but Raquelia Barbieri. Whoa. Yeah,
0: well primed.
1: Oh no! (laughs) What just What just happened? You know
2: what? So so smart Uh, of Raquel Barbieri knew exactly where to go. She didn't didn't get messed up trying to follow. Yeah, she has to lead the bunch now. But um, (laughs) there could have been that could have been a bad situation for her.
0: That could have been really bad. Yeah. God, she's just like so incredible. Well, she's she's gone early with this. but no one can hold her wheel. She's amazing. No one can hold her that, wheel. Like,
1: Unbelievable. Balsamo takes second. I think Voss third.
0: Which I think Voss will still be in the points. We'll find out in a couple minutes. Um, But I would just love to see Weebus in that point jersey. I, like for good, you know, like actually holding it. But, to own it. Yeah, because she's wearing it now. Um, but she's just kind of the care caretaker for Voss. Although
3: Julia what's, the, what's is, the
0: difference in points? Uh she's right right now, before they've updated it, Voss has 186 and Weavis has 128. Tied with Kapeki. Mm.
1: That's gonna be a hard one. I mean, the, the next three stages, I'm not sure how many sprint points there are that they, they try to to put the sprint um points in, you know places on the course where they think the sprinters can still get through. Um, but that seems like quite a deficit. I think it's, is it 25 points maybe on the line? We'll just have to wait and see. It's going to be a tough battle between the two of them, but my heart tells me that it will probably be Voss on the last day wearing that green jersey. Um, I it's
0: 50. Yeah, it's 50 points on the line for first, 30 for second. So Weebus got 50 and Voss got 20.
1: So she's edging closer right now.
2: Yes. But also in the intermediate sprints, Lorena is doing a little bit better. And it's interesting with the the tour. Normally our stage races, um, intermediate sprints you might get, or the amount of points that you get is very small and it only goes down three deep. Um, Mm -hmm. But here at the tour, the points go down, yeah, far. So even when there's a break ahead, all the points that are collected in the intermediate sprints by the bunch still add up um, for the overall. And so Lorena is still, yeah, creeping forward little by little on all these um, intermediates.
1: I think she'll get the green light to continue to go ahead um, with collecting those points in the next three stages while still being able to do as much as she can for, for the leader of the race, which is at this point, Juliette LeBou. So it will be like, like I said before, there's many races within this race. And that's just one of the exciting competitions that, um, to keep an eye on.
0: She, I, I feel like DSM could all, could pull like a wow move and throw her in early breaks on the mountain stages and try to try to get her up the road. How is she still asleep? She's still asleep. She just had a, an osteo appointment.
1: Uh, no, not just, over three hours ago. And osteos are like magicians. I don't know what they do, but they make babies sleep. <laughs> they correct their, their body and then baby just like sleeps. Yeah, she's just bike lengths ahead, isn't she? Yep. Absolute bike lens. And I think Barbareri took fourth again.
2: Yeah, fourth again, yeah. She's, she's always just sitting in that fourth pocket but you know it was a bit it was a tough yeah tough final for her she had a lead out that sprint um i mean she's a track rider she knows how how to watch the bunch and time a sprint but yeah lorraine has just got the power and uh a little bit more of a, a lead out through mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. what makes lorraine think- ueba so good at sprinting i mean yeah, she's like she's unbeatable <laughs> She's really head and shoulders. I think has she lost a sprint this year? Maybe one. She lost the one sprint at the end of Depanna. It was Depanna. She lost Depanna cuz Balsamo won it. Yeah, yep. again and it was they were sprinting for Chloe, but there was that there was so many crashes cuz Depanna's just a just such a hectic finale. That was the only sprint that she's lost this year and like she had a broken broken spoke. Oh man. It's, it's just,
2: just a it's so fun looking at her pro cycling stats because it's all just these number one or like single digit numbers.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I, I actually, I can't think of the last time in women's cycling, we had a sprinter so dominant. I mean, in the days of Ina Tutenberg, she was a sprinter, but she was also a sprinter in her later years who could do a lot of different things. She could get over hard courses and she could actually time trial quite well. But, in terms of a sprinter that's so dominant, I really can't think of one.
2: Yeah, and it was in the last year when Lorena what it was you know Lorena versus Kristen Wild that that was really the uh, yeah the closest competition that she had and um, but then that was when she when Lorena was on Park Hotel and she was on her own, a lot of times finding her own way in the sprint and still doing phenomenally well. And then now when she has that DSM train that is built for her, um, yeah, it, it makes such a difference. Um, I mean, I think even if she didn't have the team, she would still be winning races, but now she can do it by by bike length.
1: So do you think that's
2: definitely one of
1: the, the key factors now is she's obviously a talented sprinter. Her explosive yeah. power is just look at her. We're watching the replay again. She's just incredible. She's almost got that track sprinter power that's like close to 2,000 watts, it seems. Um, but, you know, Georgia Bronzini is your DS, and she was actually during her time one of the greatest sprinters um, in women's cycling. Have you ever discussed Webers
2: or how it's possible to beat her? Hmm. Um, no, and obviously we haven't figured it out yet because we're just – with for Kelly, who's still a great sprinter, but you know, finishing in that fourth, fourth spot. But what I really think, like, and what I really liked about how Voss rode stage one, she has her full, like, oiled lead-out train, um, and then she, she's not trying to follow Weavis, um and sprint off of Weavis's wheel. She's using her own train, trying to use the power of her own train to to overpower. Lorena's train and then using her own timing and um, to try to take the win. And I think what we see um, in the Peloton actually is a lot of girls are just basically we're trying to race for a second. Everyone's trying to get on Lorena's wheel. We know that she's going to make it. Uh, into the clear space. And if we can hold on the wheel, maybe we make a podium, but I really think it's going to have to be the power of, of tactics and lead out train in order to beat Lorena. You
1: would think based on the riders of Trek, Sega, that just the sheer power of that team, that they could deliver Balsamo out of all teams, in my opinion, um, the best lead out compared to Weebers. So if it was like mano a mano on each side of the road, um, Lorena versus Balsamo, and I'm sure we've seen that, then that would probably be the closest competition you could get because I still think Balsamo is quicker than Voss. Voss is phenomenal, but Balsamo is still the faster of the two.
0: Balsamo got basically got lucky that she wasn't on her usual Elisa Longo-Rogini wheel at this point in time and didn't follow Elisa when she went left instead of right. And I think Aliza's new sprinting skills uh, came in handy to not take out the Peloton in that moment because she was ahead <laughs> of everybody when she took the wrong turn. She probably followed a moto, like
2: a moto probably went up. Yep. Yeah. Um, well, also at the final there, when you're, if, when you're doing the lead out, it is, you're not, you can't think anymore. You're just trying to do the job. And so, yeah to try to make decisions at the end is really hard so yeah it's very easy to uh, make a mistake looking at the the
0: points after the stage Voss is still ahead but only by 26 points and tomorrow there's one sprint intermediate sprint up for grabs but there's three category four climbs before it so they're not you know huge climbs but it I wouldn't wouldn't i picked today and tomorrow stage five and six as breakaway stages so i'm i'm curious if my my prediction will be true tomorrow um with the two huge mountain stages coming over the weekend i once again i think the teams will not want to control the race the whole day but that being said there are teams like you know, Trek Segafredo who maybe have a better shot at winning a stage with Balsamo than they do, uh, winning either of the stages in the mountains with Aliza. Um, I will forever be referring to Elisa Lamborghini as Aliza and Elisa <laughs> Balsamo as Balsamo. Um, but the, the points on offer for the intermediate sprint 25 points, For the first, 20 for second, 17, 15. So even maximum is 25. And like you'd assume that unless there's a break, unless Lorena's in a break, she and she wins the points, Voss is going to be really close behind her. So she can't take the, she can take the sprint jersey tomorrow if she wins the stage. So what do you think? Is DSM going to hold it together tomorrow for the sprint so that they can walk away from this race with a jersey? That's an that's interesting
1: one. I mean, they, they've been very clear with their intentions to go for the overall GC with Juliette Labou. They're really backing her. Mm-hmm. They've gotten two stage wins. Um, when does the sprint come tomorrow? At what point?
0: 84 be into the stage.
1: See, that's if it came early in the race, I would say yes. Um, but to control the race for 84km and then go into two big mountain stages... I don't know.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I think you're right that, again, a break is going to try and go up the road, um, and the GC riders are going to be pretty happy with that going because the last two stages are going to be hectic. But there are teams in this race that we have discussed aren't GC contenders, and their only shot perhaps at a stage win is going to be tomorrow. It's a last chance because it's going to be the climbers on Saturday and Sunday. And there are just a handful that could potentially win if not two or three.
0: Yeah. What's interesting is that they of course are packing Juliet and she won Burgos and she's, she's been riding incredibly well this year, especially in the mountains. She had a great Giro. She won that mountains, uh mountaintop finish, but her up against the other general classification favorites in the race it's like i she's going to be a great contender but can she beat van vluten i don't know but they have like a surefire win and jersey and Webas, so it's so interesting it's like being you know trying to send um i don't want to compare it to men's actually so i'm not going to finish that thought but you know what what i was gonna say
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but also right in in women's racing um, having someone in the top 10 and having someone in the top 10 in the Tour de France, uh, is meaningful to every team. And so, yeah, Juliet, Yeah. Sitting seventh right now. Um, yeah, I, I think they still in the end want to give her yeah, the shot. So, um, yeah, I think it will be interesting. Um, and we'll see how the other teams race if they race it dynamically too. I mean, that's a day when, um, yeah, I, I feel like Canyon-Sram will really want kind of the uh, stage win. Maybe at least Shabby goes up the road on these kind of hard climbs, um, and then yeah, I think it'll it'll be a difficult one to to control or manage. Um, I think it'll be too aggressive maybe for Lorena to really hold on. Or for then DSM to to pull it back.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be super interesting. I also think that we should mention that Lorena is. Rumor has it that Lorena is going to SC Works next year, which is a move that I <laughs> like. For it's it's interesting that she's. This is the second time she's um, ended a contract early to go to a new team, but I think for her you know, she's got this setup at at, uh, DSM that's awesome. They really back her as a rider, but they also don't take her to a ton of races. Like they don't take her to races that she could do well at. They pretty much just take her to races that she will win. And it it means that she's a very, very good sprinter, but could she be more of a classics rider? Could she win races like Flanders, we don't know. Um, They don't they don't really back her when it comes to stuff like that. They really love Flirty Mackay for races like that. And so I'm super curious to see what that switch is gonna do for her as a rider, how she's gonna evol- evolve, but also like DSM is gonna be kind of up shit creek without a paddle. Like they, without her, they're not gonna win like nearly as much, 80% less, 98% less. <laughs>
2: 99 because yeah, <laughs> right, they have um they've they've ridden for charlotte cool a few times in races who's done well and, and she's young and i th- really think dsm just like feels like with the way the dsm way that they can take a rider like charlotte to cool and turn her into something so spectacular and i mean I, th- I think they do have the the best lead out train, right? So if we're going to race against Lorena, how do you beat her? Well, you have, you have to have a sprinter that's good. Um, but then you need to have this like well-oiled lead out. And when we look at SD works and how they've been riding, they don't have that. And maybe, you know, they, how they do a race, they race a day dynamically, like how uh, Marlene said yesterday, uh, you know, they have their GC leaders, but everyone, they ride aggressive and everyone gets a chance. And maybe that's something interesting for Lorena, but I think like the whole Peloton won't really allow or allow Lorena to ride in a group, in a small group. Um, cause everyone knows that she'll just win. So, so that won't, that kind of tactic with her won't really work with SD works, but I mean, also sometimes when you have Lorena on the team, all of a sudden you have an amazing lead out because everyone just knows that she can win. So they just want to do the job. But yeah, I think, um, yeah for sure it'll be interesting I mean if we look at Lotta Kopecky
1: who I would have said years ago was a sprinter with the potential to do well in the harder races since being on SD work she's actually in my head transitioned into a classics rider she's no longer really I mean the the exception of the the Champs-Élysées but um, she's not one of the main contenders in the sprint finishes now um, before she was running consistent podiums, if not winning. Um, and since, you know, moving to SD works, she's just become more of an all-rounder and just doing really well in the classics. I don't know if Weber's has that potential. I think Abby is right. Perhaps she's moving to that team because, I mean, it is SD works. Um, it's an amazing team. I'll just but, insert um, the sound
0: of, like, cash money hitting a bank. Yeah. That's yep. sort of what I was
1: trying to, to to get at. But other than that, yeah, I agree with you, um Alison. I I don't know what they're going to have to offer her. Um, they have the firepower to be a team that can do an amazing lead out. But I don't think they we're going to see the same sort of commitment race after race after race. They're not going to just sit back and control the race. Um, like DSM have done for so many of these races because they've got that one card that they can play and they know 99 out of 100 times it's going to work.
0: Yeah, I hadn't even thought of that, that this is maybe potentially this isn't a great move for Lorena Um, because, yeah, there's no way that they're just going to commit to her. They don't do that. They always go in with multiple options and they always – kind of let the chips fall where they may and that hasn't worked out for them in this season like it has in the past. They don't have Anna Vanderbragen to pick up the slack. And so I don't know. It's that's going to be so interesting. And like you mentioned Lotta Kapeki, I mean she she was 11th today. I think like a year ago she would have been you know possibly second ahead of Balsamo. So it's not it's it's interesting to see how riders develop and like how I would like the is still kind of a young rider in in the sport like she's not she's t- 23 she's 23. I thought she was 26 because she's I don't just know. So she's young. a young rider. Yeah.
1: She's a young rider.
0: <laughs> Amazing. When I see
1: their birth dates sometimes the ones that are born in like <laughs> 2000 late 2000s you're like god God."
0: well listening to julia Leth's (laughs) audio diaries are pretty hilarious because she's rooming with a 20 year old from norway um and and the two of them the the dynamic between the two of them is incredible (laughs) let's actually, let's hear really quick from our audio diarists. And I, people have asked me to please introduce them better. Um, the reason that I don't introduce them by name is because I never know if I'm actually going to get the audio diary or not. Uh, sometimes, you know, it's been a really hard day and people are tired and they forget. And I don't want to be constantly pestering writers when they have a job to do. So I don't, like specifically say who the audio diary is going to be but check the show notes because I always list them in order so you'll know who is talking but let's hear from our writers on the ground
1: or make it a game and guess which writer it is (laughs) yeah
0: there's like we've got four different accents well three have yet to hear from Ruby which is fine like she's doing she's doing her real job so it's okay
2: (laughs)
4: Hey, Abby, uh, just coming to you, getting into the hotel uh, really quickly and I'm in massage um, as we have dinner in a minute. Um, I really wanted to interview, do a little mini interview with Emily Newsom, my teammate, because she was in the break for the most of the day today um, and did a really good job being up there, making it easier for the rest of us on my team to not have to work so much in the peloton um it was a fairly chill day and i think it got i think people may have gotten a bit uh what's the word i think people lost attention a little bit and that led to a big crash um i don't know how i managed to avoid it but it was just behind me but a lot of people went down including four of my teammates Um, They're okay, uh, but, yeah, super not ideal for the majority of the people. Um, Yeah, uh, hoping everybody's okay. Um, And then it was a very, very, very fast finish um, with a technical hard right to the sprint. Um, Yeah, a bit hectic in that finish um, and just a very long day um yeah hoping to looking forward to more climbing in the next few days and yeah um overall okay day (laughs) um hoping my teammates who went down can recover uh a good amount today
5: and yeah Hello, hello, and welcome to another day and another update from Casa Julie and Anadore. Uh, so today we had the um, so far in both my, my and Julie's career the longest bike race, 179 k, included the neutral. So it was a really long day, but I think we also find it a bit relaxing because the bunch was, yeah just ready for a a bit more easy day after four really hard days. Uh, so yeah, what do you think about today's stage, Julie? Yeah, also really long day
6: for me because we didn't have the best sleep with our air condition that wasn't <laughs> working. It was pretty poor, luckily. And a daughter's fan was helping us get through the night. But it wasn't impressive. Now, new hotel, super good aircon.
5: It's so cold here, it's like 19 degrees.
6: (laughs) Yeah, really great. Yeah, a bit more. We actually should have been in a break today. And we didn't succeed, so we are not impressed with that.
5: Um, But we tried. And we were in a lot of attacks where there were like more than four or five riders so that was good but tomorrow we really need to be switched on after like the periods where everyone are joining the attacks so yeah we just have to continue trying
6: yeah and another update that i didn't even tell anadori yet is i just i wrote up to Lorena Vivas today and I said to her Seriously? <laughs> my teammate is super disappointed in you because you don't have the green handlebar tape and what she said yeah yeah I understand I will try and tell the team
5: <laughs> so disappointing oh my gosh she hasn't she been riding with the green jersey now for so many stages and she hasn't even told her team Now, chop, chop. Let Anna best. You need to (laughs) go to work.
0: (laughs) What else should we talk about? Should we talk about how long the stage was? I feel like it doesn't really merit much conversation.
1: I mean, the uteruses didn't fall out, so that's always good. (laughs) Um, No, I feel like we're at the point now where yeah, it was such a big conversation years ago, women not being able to do it or just there not being a place for it. But they just showed today that... It's just a stage. Yeah, yeah. It's just a stage. No one was um, overly, like, I don't know, not excited about it or it's... it's you've raced long stages before, right, Alison? This is not something really new.
2: Yeah, but also, you know our training rides are that longer, or longer. And then when you're riding with a group, like half the time you're just coastal coasting along. But what's interesting is when we watch this race, if we think of this as like, Oh, this is like men's distance. But when we watch the dynamics of this race, like it was basically just this recovery day, you manage the breakaway that goes, you bring your bats together. And then there's just going to be chaos in the final for the sprint. So yeah, making it longer and with no key points in the race really, um, just like flat, not much climbing. And it's not a very, it doesn't um, lend to dynamic racing where we saw in all the days before, the courses themselves were so dynamic and then the women race it just like that. Um, like it's, every day is a, is a classic sort of day. But when we have the, the Tour de France that is so long, um, a long stage race then having a day like this kind of yeah i feel like is like settle everyone can settle in a little bit mm-hmm.
1: i think the riders definitely appreciated it today i mean the four out in front had a nice hard day out there um but the rest got to well we haven't spoken about the crash no one rider was seriously injured and was taken to hospital um emma norsgaard berg or is it berg Morsgaard?
0: i think norsgaard she prefers but it's like i messaged her and she said you can keep calling me norsgaard but then it's confusing because then like on the tv it's berg so it's like i don't know that's true and but I'm, that's because no and one can... i'm mark torsius today <laughs> <laughs> yeah no one including myself can pronounce my new last name so can you pronounce it it's Skoinja. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, okay, so when we say scullins it's completely wrong. No, Scullin. that's like
0: <laughs> you're throwing in letters that aren't even in there. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I I feel like the um the the good thing that happened today was that it's like the coolest day that we've had in months. <laughs> so, at least the women weren't out there for the longest stage of the race like for four and a half hours actually that's not that long like time-wise uh for four and a half hours in the blazing heat because that would have made a huge difference if it had been as hot as it's been in Europe today then that would have really drained riders ahead of the weekend
1: yeah speaking of the weekend I'm curious to see what the weather predictions are there
0: because that will make a big difference with all that climbing (laughs) All right, so that's what we've got for today, a really exciting sprint. I don't think any of us are that surprised by the winner, except for me, because I thought it was gonna be a breakaway, but I love it when I'm wrong. It just means that something's gone right in the race. Tomorrow, breakaway. You heard it here first. (laughs) There's gotta be one. Let's hear from Jose Bain on some fun historical facts about tomorrow. And then when you come back, you'll be with Matt and Amy on the ground.
3: We are already at stage 6 and have arrived in the Vosges mountains. It was in Saint-Dié-des-Vosges that the new continent, discovered by Christopher Columbus, took the name America in 1507. The Vosges Gymnasium, a group of scholars led by Vautrin Lud, was entrusted by Duke René II of Lorraine, with the account of the expeditions of the Florentine navigator, Américo Vespucci, and the Portuguese maps. The members of the gymnasium decided to create a new world map incorporating these discoveries and it was a German cartographer Martin Waldseemuller who, commissioned by the Vosges gymnasium, decided to name the new continent America in honor of Vespucci. Waldseemuller later regretted his choice when he discovered that others, including Columbus, had set foot on these unknown lands. But his map was so successful that the name stuck. Long ignored, the role of saint die des vosges in the naming of America was finally established in 1875 and events of friendship between the town and the United States have been organized ever since. The discovery of the Vosges Gymnasium led to the creation of the International Geography Festival of Saint-Dié-les-Vosges. If you look at the stage profile, you see that this part of France has many German-sounding place names. This part of France wasn't always French. For extended periods of time, it was part of the Holy Roman Empire, now most of Germany, and Germany itself. The most recent period of German occupation was between 1870 and 1918, and between 1940 and 1945. In 1870, France suffered a major defeat in a war with Germany. And, as a result, Alsace and Northeastern Lorraine were annexed to Germany at the Treaty of Frankfurt in 1871. And this so-called Reichsland elsaß lothringen was governed from Berlin. However, the population and the Catholic clergy did not like the German occupation and a very active protest movement arose. The press suffered from strict censorship at the time, and the successful recovery of the economy and the social legislation of the German Chancellor, Bismarck, improved the German image considerably over the years. In the years before the First World War, tensions between France and Germany rose again, and the mood in Alsace became anti-German again. In August of 1914, the German attack on France began. The French occupied all the passes in the Vosges mountains, while the Germans took the region of Alsace. The front lay straight through the Vosges. A very bloody battle was fought for four years, which lasted until the armistice of November 11, 1918. At the Peace of Versailles, it was decided that Alsace, with Lorraine, became French territory again. In 1940, Alsace was again occupied by the Germans and Alsatians were forced to serve in the German army. Moreover, the Germans had the plan to Germanize Alsace definitively. In January of 1945, the Germans were driven back to the Rhine and on February 2nd, 1945, the French and Americans entered Colmar. At that time, Alsace again belonged to France. Nowadays, the once active movement to become an independent country is quite quiet. The local language, Alemannish, is hardly spoken anymore and prominent buildings of the European Union are now in Strasbourg. But the place names, or many of them, still testify of a once German past.
7: Welcome to the Cycling Tips podcast. We have upgraded from McDonald's this evening. We are staring out onto a very pretty scene. Matt, can you describe it?
8: I can. It's a river in the middle of Sandy de vosges and it's lovely. There's a fountain, uh, there's some flags on a bridge across the way, there's some hills, there's some twilight, some clouds.
7: There's a dock making its way across the other side of the river it's, as the reflection of the sky.
8: Oh, it's, it's, it's quite idyllic, actually. We're probably 100 metres from where the finish of today's stage was. It's kind of quietened down as the tour infrastructure has been packed up and
7: I moved to the other side of town.
8: Yeah, that's right. Because <laughs> the start tomorrow is in the same town, isn't it? Yeah. We just had dinner, so the batteries are recharged. We're feeling like we can actually speak coherently again. Always. Always right with the world.
7: <laughs> yeah. What it was a, it was a stage of the race. <laughs> I mean, I like. It was the longest stage. It was. And it was one of the longest days that the women's peloton have to tackle 175 k's, and I think all up with the neutral, it was about 180. Um, was kind of destined to be a sprint day. For sure, was a classic kind of Tour de France transition stage where a break goes, gets caught, and like the sprinters back like out. Although it was more like sprinter singular.
8: It was, yeah. And I know that Abby and Lauren have already talked about Lorena Uebus and and her dominance, but uh, yeah, it really needs to be highlighted, I think, just how good she was today and she won that stage by several bike lengths over Lisa Balsamo and Mariana Voss and um, you got some interesting stuff from her in the press conference today that I thought was quite fascinating.
7: Yeah, I've kind of been, you know, with every every race that I watch her in, it becomes more and more apparent that she is the only pure sprinter in the women's peloton, she's the only she's the only sprinter that does it by the book in terms of you know she's got a really good lead out she's got that instinct to follow the right wheels and you know last minute like change if she has to and she's also just got the classic like leg speed she uses her whole body to like propel the bike forward and she's just yeah she's just a full sprinting package and and really there isn't another rider like her in the women's peloton at the minute um
8: Yeah, you're right. And, I mean, you sort of asked her about that, didn't you, in the press conference about why is it that there aren't so many pure sprinters like we might see on the male side of the sport?
7: Yeah, it was interesting. So I ran back into the press room (laughs) while she was giving the press conference. And um, she was halfway through kind of answering someone else's question around um, the subject of sprinting in the women's peloton. And she was saying that when she as she was coming up, she was following men's racing for inspiration. So Peter Sagan, she cited, although she did have a snide little comment about him that he's not so good at <laughs> sprinting anymore, um, which is fair. Um, and then she says that now she looks to Fabio Jacobson. And as much as like we like to get our back up a little bit about, you know, women's and men's cycling being compared like that, at the end of the day, as somebody who is coming through as like a pure sprinter, mm-hmm. she doesn't really have anybody to look to in the women's peloton. Yeah. And in terms of like just simply because there hasn't been the infrastructure the budget the teams in place for women of her style of rider to be able to hone their skills really um it's always been really important to be an all-rounder and she kind of alluded to that so then i kind of asked her like why she thinks there aren't that many pure sprinters in the women, or there aren't any pure sprinters in the women's peloton And, and she kind of said well because it, it just the racing doesn't lend itself to it. The the parkour of the races and yeah, just kind of there aren't that many opportunities, um which is really interesting because I think we we definitely are going to see more of that, and especially now that there's a Tour de France. Because there is, I mean, she's wearing the green jersey. It's not actually hers mm-hmm. at this race, but it is just emblematic of like of, of sprinting on the road. And it, it's right that in the same way that it was right when Voss put on the yellow jersey it was totally right that she was put on the green jersey as well and winning on the Champs Elysees it really like beckoned in this new era of of sprinting in the women's peloton I think.
8: Is there anyone else that's coming through the ranks that could be that kind of pure sprinter that's maybe a few years off developing into that top level rider do you think?
7: I think there are a few I think there's one of them although she is the same age as her because to be honest I don't think age is particularly the the it's particularly relevant but her lead-out woman, well, her main lead-out woman, Charlotte Cool, is one of them where I think if she was given the opportunity, she'd also be a really fast rider. Um, today, I was really impressed with um, Micah Vanderdoin from Le Col Wahoo. She came fifth.
8: She was in the white jersey earlier in the race, eh? Hey?
7: Uh, yeah, she was. So, she, yeah, she put that on after the Champs-Élysées stage, which she actually didn't... Um, she got it by kind of being in the breakaway. But, um, yeah, she, she's one of them she's only 20 years old so if she can kind of hone that skill in the same way and if she, if she's on a team where you know she has a strong lead out because that is part of it as well i mean for weavers now she just is that fast that she doesn't even really need she needs someone to position her Pfeiffer georgie did a really good job of that today in the absence of charlotte cool as well she the thing is that Weaver's just surfed the wheels and she got onto the, the right wheels and she even made last minute switches yeah. when she needed to um when <laughs> When Elisa Longo Borghini went the wrong way,
8: <laughs> yeah. As Ellen Van Dyke said on Twitter, um, it was a really smart move. It meant she got to get back to the team bus quicker and get the shower before her <laughs> else.
7: Yeah, that's what she was thinking about for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, even Elisa Balsamo, you know, she's not a pure sprinter. She's a she's a rider who she's a punchy rider. And in the past, like that's the kind of rider that's been pegged as like a sprinter in women's cycling because, like I said, there just has not been this type of mm. of sprinter before.
8: Yeah. And the races that Balsamo has won this year have got some climbing in them, right? Like the Yeah, I mean, she stages. won
7: Trofeo Alfredo Binder, mm. which has got a lot of like. Weavers yeah. would not have won that race. Yeah. No chance. And, yeah, she can... The, that's the other thing, I guess, about Weavers is that she does... She And she mentioned this herself, actually, in the press conference, in answer to my question, that in the women's peloton, you do have to still be able to climb. Mm. And she can climb some climbs yeah. she just she does not i mean look she's going to struggle in the last two stages of this race yeah, for sure. and i think for that reason she's not in contention really for the for the green jersey
8: yeah and the green jersey is an interesting discussion because at the moment mariana voss is leading that as she is the the race overall and you'd have to think that voss will win green overall but um She said at the start of the race when I spoke to her that she wasn't interested in that, that stage wins was... (laughs) Yeah, stage wins was the goal. Um, Green wasn't a focus at all, which seemed to me to be a strange thing given she's been in the intermediate sprints virtually every stage, if not every stage, that she had a chance to get points. Uh, She was up there again today going for the stage win. She's in the lead comfortably in that competition. And it feels like a turd competition to lose at this point, right?
7: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, she and she is, as things stand right now in the women's peloton, she is exact kind of rider to take that jersey because she is that kind of punchy all rounder. She can sprint, she can get the bonus points. She can win stages like the one she won on stage two. And she can still, <clears throat> she can still kick it on the climbs. Well, she'll beat the faster women exactly. than her on the climbs in order to get to, because I think on stage seven, seven mm. the sprint point comes after a first after, category climb. After two
8: first category climbs. Yeah,
7: so, you know, Weebus isn't getting over those. Yeah. And ne- neither, I don't think, is Koepäcki, at least not in an, any better shape than Voss is going to.
8: It'll be interesting on that stage to see whether the bunch is all together by that point or whether there's a break up the road. And if there's a break, is Voss in the break? Does she try and get up the road to get points for green? Or maybe she doesn't even need to. Maybe she's got enough points that, you know, another good result tomorrow in the intermediate sprint and at the finish basically locks it up for her.
7: She has got quite a considerable lead at the minute. I think it's about 30 points, 20 points, 25 points. And I think at that stage, she'll definitely have, like, an even bigger lead. Mm. So I think she's pretty comfortable in that jersey at the minute.
8: Yeah. One of the other storylines I have today was a, a big crash which brought down a whole bunch of riders. Uh, a lot of teams had riders that hit the deck and were looking very sore and sorry for themselves when they rolled back to the bus today. It didn't seem to have that much of an impact on the race overall though, in terms of the GC. Is that fair?
7: No, yeah, I mean, it was, I've never seen anything like it. It was like almost as if the entire peloton went down. I think barring about 20 riders at the front, every single person went down. It was a massive pileup and yeah, the worst off or the biggest name um, was Emma god, who's now unfortunately out of the race with a broken collarbone, I think it was, or it looked like at least. Um, but with the exception of Sylvia Pesico, Pesico, um none of the GC riders were affected because they were at the front. You know, that age-old thing. You have to be at the front. And, yeah, it it that's why, I guess. Um, so... Yeah, it wasn't quite the shakeup that we maybe that it could have been. Um, Persico very easily got back into the bunch with a group of other riders, and yeah, no one seems to have been particularly affected. Chantal Van Black was uh, nursing a very bloody elbow at one stage.
8: We saw medical staff going under the team bus, didn't we, at the finish?
7: Yeah, I think she probably just needs like a dress, like. A- some dressing on i don't think it's anything serious but i'm sure we'll find out tomorrow morning the fallout from that
8: speaking of tomorrow what do you think is going to happen we've got four climbs on the day it looks like one of those stages that you mentioned in a previous podcast where the profile could be just about anything really out on the road
7: (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's the thing like with these climbs you know like sometimes the climbs that aren't categorized are the nastiest ones like the finish up to stage three Mm. wasn't categorized and that was disgustingly steep so i think if it's anything like that and yeah i think it is another vos stage to me i think
8: yeah definitely there is another climb like there was a few days ago with bonus seconds available at the top but not a designated climb so we're going to see a fight there, you would think, for those riders that are in the hunt for the general classification. And then there's this fourth category climb, probably 10Ks from the finish, that looks like a great springboard for some riders to go clear. But it's hard to see Voss being distanced tomorrow, I would think. I think you're right. It's another stage for Vos, yeah. Um, to extend that lead before the final two mountain stages.
7: And the GC is pretty much unchanged after today, from yesterday. We had a little bit of a moment where we thought maybe Elisa Longo-Borghini had lost nine seconds after her little detour.
8: And it was on the official results sheet, wasn't it, for a while? Yeah,
7: yeah. and then um, I think an angry Ina Hüttenberg might have gone to the jury and said, hey, because the motorbike did kind of lead her that way. She was right on the front of the peloton and it turned off. And, yeah, it was probably meant to turn off there, but it was a bit close. And I don't know. But either way, she's got out of it. Um, and yeah so the GC is is unchanged yeah
8: I think we'll probably see those GC favourites hitting each other again tomorrow and yeah I think it might be a. I think Voss will be there at the finish uh, it'll be interesting to see how many other riders are with her you know whether it's a big group or whether it's a handful of select riders like we saw on the stage that she won earlier in the week it'll be interesting to uh, see how that plays out
7: And if you're listening to this on the Cycling Tips podcast channel, then make sure you head over to Freewheeling because there's lots of extra Tour de France firm content over there. We've got some mini pods with lots of insight from the race. And the latest thing we've got is an exclusive conversation with Gracie Elvin, um, who you might know as a host of Freewheeling. Um, So if you want to hear about what she's got to say, she's been reporting on the race for SBS, the men's race as well. But... Do you talk about that?
8: Yeah, we talked a little bit about her time with the men's race and she's been on the road for five weeks now with the SBS crew. And we talked about that, what that's been like. and I guess just her transition to uh, being on the other side of the fence compared to when she was a racer, how she's found that and what she's learned about herself along the way. I think it's a, it's a really fascinating conversation. I was delighted to be able to speak to her today.
7: Great. So if you want to hear that, then head over to the Freewheeling channel.